Well, this time we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you could please prepare for that. And, you know, Kat was sharing about Puna Relief. And I remember uh, the first week we actually we actually helped. Uh, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for dinner. And we we're trying to do all these things. And, and I remember Pastor Sheldon just saying, hey, you know what we got to do? Because everything we do, we got to show him the light of Jesus. So you know what we're going to do? We're, we're going to go, let's have ice cream and brownies. And I was like, what? It's like, yeah, let's go, ha- let's go take ice cream and brownies to serve them for dinner, alongside dinner, for dessert. And I thought to myself, how do we keep the ice cream cold? There's no freezer and all this. So, okay, we'll just go in. And so we brought back, we brought three tubs of vanilla ice cream to go along with numerous pans of chocolate brownies. What was so amazing was when we got there and we saw the kids and we were not, we weren't making these small baby scoops of ice cream okay we were giving them so much ice cream that their parents said please stop <laughs> and it was so amazing because when it happened you could just see their hearts their smiles on their face knowing that there's people that love them people that don't even know them that are here giving them something not just okay but great and when Kat said to all of you who gave to, maybe you've served and you're volunteering, or maybe you gave supplies, maybe you brought food and, and stuff like that, we just want to thank you so much because what a joy it is to bring joy to others. And you see, when we give our tithes and offerings, that's exactly what we get to do. We get to partner with God so that people get to experience him, even without coming to church. That they get to feel the warmth of his love. That those who feel like they have no hope can rest assured knowing that God is with them, God is for them. And as you give this morning, as we give into that, that's what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, I want to be a part of your plan. I want to partner with you to reach those far from you. And what a joy it is to bring all of you to those who don't know you. Now, you might be visiting us for the very first time, and if that's you, we ask that you don't feel obligated to give. In fact, just receive this service as a gift to help you in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you're visiting us from another church and we just want to continue to encourage you to give wherever you attend church regularly. But if New Hope Church is where you call home, would you know that as we partner with him, he's going to continue. That's right. He is going to continue to do great and mighty things all for those he loves. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray this morning for our tithes and offerings? Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you so much that, Lord, you're such a great God. That, Lord, everything you do is with excellence. And so, Lord, this morning we come before you and we give you our tithes and offerings, knowing that, Lord, you're going to continue to do exactly that. That you're going to fill this place with excellent wonders and miracles. And, Lord, what a joy it is that we get to be a part of it. I pray, Lord, that for this morning you bless the hearts of those who give. And as we give with a cheerful heart, Lord, we know that you're going to do everything to reach people far from you. That, Lord, everything you do is to touch a human life for all of eternity. And so, Lord, we partner with you this morning. We thank you for what you're going to continue to do in the lives of of your people, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you that we get to take part in something that's eternal, that's going to last forever and ever. Lord, we couldn't do this without you. You could do it without us, but... You allow us to be part of your plan. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us, that you allow us 
to partner with you and be with you and be your hands and feet. And so, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said it often. He said, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. So today, as we continue in our series, we're going to learn to develop ears that hear. And the heart behind it is to develop the kind of ear that listens for the voice of the Lord. You and I will always struggle with different voices coming in, but we want to hone in on the voice of the Lord. That way, when He speaks, even if He should whisper, we recognize His voice. This morning, Pastor Marsha is going to speak to us on this Memorial Day weekend about ears that hear. Let's welcome up Pastor Marsha as she comes and shares. Good morning. So we thought on this morning that we would do something a little different because we're talking about ears and hear. And so we're going to do a hearing test. Yes, right? we are because a lot of times um, our hearing is tested by music. Some of us love music. So we are going to play Name That Tune with our wonderful worship team band right. because they're so talented and awesome. But we're going to actually play Name That Tune one note at a time. <laughs> and right? so as soon as you know it, call it out. Okay, so let's do our first song, the first note. Okay, what song was that? <laughs> oh, we need a little bit more. Okay, all right. A little bit more. Anybody? <laughs> Jaws. <laughs> I'm having an Elvis Marino. Anybody? Did anybody know that? There you go. Yay. Jailhouse Rock. Yay. Very Jailhouse good. Rock. Very you know, you know, good. You know, this guy's young. Oh, first service. They had him like the first note they had him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. You guys are going to be watching this later. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. Next song. Next song. <laughs> ah, we need a little bit more. here for the first time this is not what we normally do all the time you know sometimes we actually do church music okay anyway do, yeah. okay one more one last one shall we do one more yeah okay what was that okay I see people smiling so they kind of know but they're not sure if we'd actually play this in church Yeah. 
woman, no, no cry. cry. Wow. They're like, they seriously did this, right? Yeah, they did, they did. We're in church, right? You better, you better We're in church. Honey, you tricked me. We're in church, right? Yeah. That was really awesome. My mom used to tell me, go wash your ears with soap. No. Wash your ears <laughs> with soap. Okay. Can we thank our worship team? Thank you, guys. Our band. Thank that you, That was awesome, thank you, you guys. You. Have fun. Yeah, so we're talking about ears and hear because we need to listen. And, you know, a few months ago, <clears throat> my daughter lives with me and her 14-year-old son lives with us. And so I was walking out and I'm carrying the laundry basket because I'm going to hang my clothes. And she says to Micah, do you want to go to Honolii? But that's not what I heard. So I put my basket down and I looked at her. I said, you're going to Honolulu? Do I have to watch Micah? And she goes, what? No. I asked Micah if he wants to go to Honolii. I said, oh, I thought you said you're going to Honolulu, so I thought I had to watch Micah. Now, my husband at this time is in the kitchen cooking, so he turns, he goes, you want to go to Honolulu? We got enough points? I said, no, no, no. No, we're not going to Honolulu. Kristen's asking Micah if he wants to go to Honolulu. He goes, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't want to go to Honolulu. So at this point, Micah got up, walks out, and says, you guys need hearing aids. You know, it's not just age that keeps us from hearing. It's what our focus is. What are we focusing on? So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever experienced this, okay? So raise your hand. If you've ever tried speaking to someone and not received an answer because they're so focused on their iPad, their phone, or whatever it is, if, the, if that's ever happened to you, right? Right. Okay, how about this one? Raise your hand if you've walked into a room, started talking to somebody, and realized they have earbuds in their ear. I do that to Susan in the office all the time. Okay, raise your hand if you said something to someone while the TV is on, and then you felt ignored because they weren't listening to you. Yeah? Okay, this next one, sit on your hands. Don't raise them. Look straight ahead. Okay, don't, just, just look straight ahead and don't respond. You're sitting in the coffee shop, the restaurant, ice cream, wherever you are, you're sitting there. You're in a conversation with the person here, and all of a sudden, you hear this conversation. And this one's more fun than your conversation. <laughs> right? We all do that. So that proves that our problem isn't hearing. It's actually hearing the right things. Now, I think that's why Jesus would often say to his followers when he was teaching them, he who has ears, let him hear. See, I think he'd say something that would challenge them, challenge the way they did things or what they were thinking, and then he'd say, he who has ears, let them hear. It's almost like he's saying, here's a principle. Here's something that's going to affect your life. Here's something that could change things up. And it's on you to apply it. Now, most times, what happens if we hear something we don't want to hear, we don't want to apply it. We're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let me check this out. Let me go check it out with some more people. We want to make sure that we're hearing what we want to hear. So people will go from person to person. And they'll ask for input. But what they're not doing is asking for input. What they're asking is to hear what they want to hear. So they go from this person to that person to this person, and finally somebody says something that they want to hear. Go, yeah, see, that's it. That's, I know I was supposed to do that. There's so many different ways that we can get answers. In fact, we don't have to go from person to person. 
You know, pick up your phone, go to Google, and you can type in your question. And a bunch of answers will come up. See, every question we ask has a different answer or a different solution. And because the answers are different, we often pick and choose which one we think is best for us. And if we don't hear what we want, then we're going to go from person to person, waiting to hear someone say what we want, and go, aha, that's it. You're right. Yet in the middle of all the voices and all the choices, if we will stop going from place to place, if we stop looking for the answers we want to hear, then we'll hear God's still small voice giving us the answer or the solution that we need. We just need to have ears that hear. See, hearing isn't the problem. It's hearing the voice speaking to us above every other. That's why people don't hear us when they're intent on their video games or TV show. That's why you can walk into a room and start a conversation with someone who has earbuds on. That's why someone who's listening to something else so intently will not hear your respond. It's because they're engrossed or focused on what's happening around them. And if we're not careful, we do that very same thing to God. We'll be so intent on looking for the answers that we want. We're so intent on what we're involved in or what's going on around us that we miss hearing God. Have, having ears that hear begins with distinguishing between all the voices. You know, a few weeks ago, the lava started erupting in Leilani. And it was all over, so, you know, people were putting things all over social media. And I remember seeing so many different reports of what was happening. Do you remember that? There's cracks in, Hawaii, in Paradise Park. Geothermal blew up. There's fissures in Ainaloa. Cracks in Nanavali. Part of Hawaii is going to fall into the ocean and cause a massive tsunami. There's lava in Hawaiian beaches. There are so many voices saying so many different things. And then I remember one day, with all the rumors and going around, someone finally posted on their Facebook post. They said, people are already panicking about their homes. Stop posting things that aren't true. Before you post what your cousin says or your sister's friend says, make sure it's true. And then they said, if it's not from civil defense, defense don't believe it. And I could feel their frustration. There were so many voices. There were too many stories. And it was hard to know what was true and what wasn't. And they finally decided, i got to hear one voice over all the rest. And that's what we're called to do. If we're Christians, we're believers, we need to hear one voice above every other, and that voice that we hear belongs to Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, if we want to be able to recognize God's voice, then we need to know what he sounds like. And I can give you a hint. He sounds like what's right in here. His voice sounds exactly what's what written in the Bible. And the only way we're going to know what he sounds like is if we're reading it. Because if we don't know his voice, we can't recognize it in the midst of the crowd. So we'll have ears to hear if we read God's word. And we need to read it so often that what he says becomes so familiar to us that we recognize it just like that. My husband is also on staff here. He's one of the pastors. <clears throat> and sometimes I need to ask him something or I'll need him to lift something. Or, you know. 
and I'll look for him, and, you know, I can get to be really busy and crowded, and I can't see him. And in the middle of the um, fellowship hall, I'll just stop, and I'll listen, and then I'll hear his laugh. And as soon as I hear his laugh, I know where to go. I know the direction to head it. Now, isn't that true with all of us? Whether it's our spouse, our children, grandchildren, someone else who's close to us, we know their voice, and we can pick it out in a crowd. And that's the relationship that God wants with us. He wants us to hear his voice and to recognize it above every other so that we'll know which direction that we need to walk towards. And to do that, there are three things that we can put into practice so we can recognize God's still, small voice in the midst of every voice that calls for attention. So number one, if you're taking notes, draw near to God. Draw near to God. You know, sometimes my grandkids like to spend the night. And when they come over, I'll do this thing where I'll, I'll say something to them, but I say it really low. And they're like, what? Come, come. And they're like, what? I will come. So I come close. And then they get close, and I grab hold of them, and I just hold them, and I go, I said I love you. You couldn't hear that? I think that's what God does to us. I believe he whispers, so we'll draw close enough to him that he can grab us in his embrace, and we can feel it. Did you know that God longs for a relationship with each and every one of us? The prophet Jeremiah wrote, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. See, God doesn't want us just to seek him. He wants us to find him. And we can find him by being in his word. He made it that easy for us to find him. I have my grandkids. I have 10 of them. So the two younger girls love to play hide and seek. Now, Peyton, the seven-year-old, really gets the game well. She's seven, and she can hide like, she, like she's hiding in the closet on the shelves, and you can walk past her and not see her. She's that good. But the three-year-old doesn't get the game. So Ava hides, and the minute you start walking towards her, she's like, <laughs> and you get, like, just within vicinity, she's like, ta-da, here I am, you found me. I think that sometimes when we're looking at God, we think he's like Peyton. We think he's hiding in an obvious place, and he's just daring us to find him. We act like he wants us to walk by him and that he'll stay hidden from our sight. In his book, Whisper, Mark Batterson wrote, one reason we turn a deaf ear to God is because we're afraid of what he's going to say. But that's because we don't know his heart towards us. See, God loves us. He values us. He wants a relationship with us. God is not unwilling to speak to us. He's not unwilling to draw near to us. It's the other way around. We're the ones who are unwilling. We're the ones who push God off to the side. Jesus lamented over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings and you are not willing. Rejecting God or turning from his ways certainly wasn't something new. In fact, Adam and Eve were the first to reject God's voice. They had an intimate relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. 
they knew from God himself the freedom that they had from, to eat from any tree within that garden. And God had personally pointed out the one tree that would separate them from him. They walked with God. They had an intimacy with him that can come only from being in a relationship with him and recognizing his voice. And in spite of that intimacy with him, they still opted to hear a different voice. And they allowed that voice to move them in a different direction. They ignored God's clear instructions and opted for the voice of the enemy as he challenged and twisted God's instructions. And in spite of their rejection, God still sought them. The book of Genesis records their first encounter with God right after they chose to listen to a different voice. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam. He called to Adam. And he said to him, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. See, in their shame, Adam and Eve first condemned themselves. And then they expected God to do the same. And we do the same thing. We believe things about ourselves that aren't true. We lie, we lie to ourselves about our identity. We think we aren't good enough. We're not holy enough. We're not smart enough. And then we repeat those lies to ourselves over and over and over. And then we expect God to believe them also. And it's that action, that way of seeing ourselves that causes us to fear what God is going to say to us and then turn a deaf ear to him. That perspective skews our perspective of God's heart towards us and causes us to push ourselves away from him. In her book, Adamant, Lisa Bevere said, when God draws near to us, it's not to condemn us, but to intimately gather us to himself so we can hear his voice declare the truth of who we really are. I love that picture. God just intimately gathering us in close so that he can declare to us who we are. You know, earlier I talked about my grandkids playing hide and seek. And I mentioned how excited Ava gets when you get close to her and how she calls out, here I am. You found me. And I think God is more like her. I think he's waiting for us to seek him. And when we make the smallest move toward him, I think he responds with joy. And he says, here I am. You found me. King David wrote, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. See, God's not far from us. We simply need to draw near to him, and he will make himself known to us. In the Old Testament, there was a young boy named Samuel. And he lived in the tabernacle, or in the temple, and he's being raised and discipled by Eli, the priest. And when Samuel was growing up, the Bible says that the voice of God was rare, and it wasn't heard in those days. But God never stopped loving the people. So one night, God drew near to Samuel, and he called him. And I'm going to read it to you from 1 Samuel 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, 
while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called to Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And so he rose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call to me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood, stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. God wanted to be found. So he called out to Samuel. Samuel. But before Samuel could respond, he had to learn, and you can write this in number two, he had to learn to recognize God's voice. The third time God called, Samuel didn't run to Eli. Instead, he did what Eli instructed. And then the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. See, Samuel needed to learn what the voice of God sounded like before he could respond to it, because God's voice was so rarely heard in those days. Even the religious leaders didn't recognize or respond to it. Two of Eli's sons were the religious leaders while Samuel was growing up. But the Bible describes them as corrupt. They didn't honor the sacrifices that the people brought to God. They slept with various women. They disrespected God. They devalued and ignored his instructions. And instead of listening and obeying to the voice of God, they listened to and gave in to the voice of their own selfish desires. And because they listened only to their desires, they no longer were able to hear nor recognize God's voice. And it's not as if they didn't have an opportunity to turn back. When the people would sacrifice and they would mishandle the um, offerings, the people would ask them to treat the offering the way that it should have been handled. Their father, Eli, went to them and he warned them. Yet they continued on in their evil ways and they later suffered the consequences of ignoring God. See, God will call to us. He will invite us to hear him but he will not yell to get our attention. If you want to hear him, you need to be in his word. When we read, when we read the Bible, as you're reading through the Old Testament, you're going to discover that the nation of Israel had this horrible pattern of turning away from God and following the gods of the nations around them. So years after Samuel had led the people, and years after he had died, another prophet rose up. This man's name was Elijah. And he grew tired of the people following the other gods and compromising. So he gathered the people to him on Mount Carmel, and he gathered the prophets of this god Baal that they followed. And then he challenged them. He rebuked them for rebelling against God and for not listening to his word. And he said, 
enough. How long are you going to move back and forth between two opinions? If God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But you can't do both. And then he challenged the prophets of Baal. He says, you know what? We're going to show the people who the true God is. So you go ahead and you build your altar over there. And I'm going to build my altar over here. And the God that answers is the true God. Well, through his actions, it was proven. One true God. And so he took the prophets of Baal and he killed, had them all killed. So that the people couldn't turn back and follow this false god. Well, the queen at that time, Jezebel, heard what had happened. And she became angry. And she threatened Elijah's life. And then Elijah heard her anger. He heard the threat. And he heard her voice over the voice of God. And in that moment, he forgot the sound of victory. He forgot the sound of God's voice. He lost hope, and he ran for his life. He was weary, he was frightened, and he was hiding in a cave. He had quit listening for the voice of God, and he lost his courage and his vision. You ever been in that place? Have you ever felt like just giving up? Have you ever felt like you did everything right? Everything that you're supposed to do, and things still didn't turn out the way they're supposed to? Have you ever felt alone, rejected, unimportant? That's exactly how Elijah felt. And even though Elijah may have felt like God was totally unaware or uninvolved and didn't care, God showed up and he wanted to encourage Elijah. And so the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak around his face, and he went out, and he stood at the mouth of the cave, and then a voice came to him and said, why are you here, Elijah? See, God's voice wasn't in a wind that was so powerful that it could split the rock and shatter stones and split the mountain. His voice was not in an earthquake. It wasn't in a fire. It was in a quiet whisper. Years ago, I was a teacher aide at a preschool. Now, kids are kids, and they can get kind of loud and raucous in a preschool. And whenever it did, I would notice that the head teacher would do the same thing. She would just stand up, and she would whisper. And she would start to give instructions in a very quiet whisper. And without fail, the kids would always stop what they were doing. They would always look to her, and they would settle down and go into the next thing. And they would listen for what she was saying. I think God does the same thing to us. He speaks to us in whispers so that we will slow down and listen. Psalm says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
Now, being still doesn't mean that we sit passively and we wait for God's instruction. Instead, it means that we quiet ourselves. We quiet the competing voices in our head. We quiet our desires and we quiet our activity so that we can be proactive in hearing God. We need to pause in the busyness of our lives, open the Bible to read God's word, and to hear his heart for us. See, if we want to hear God's word, we need to be in it. Noted author Henry Nouwen believed that silence was an act of war against the voices clamoring to be heard. Can you imagine that? Silence is an act of war against the voices clamoring to be heard. Anybody who's a parent understands this. Our kids will get caught doing something. They'll start fighting or whatever, and they come racing to you, and they're out talking the other to be heard, to tell you their side of the story before you hear the other side. And they're getting louder and louder, and you finally go, shh. Then they start, shh. And we keep shushing them until they calm down, and then we're ready to listen. And if they try to get, shh. Then we finally say, okay, what's going on? See, if we need, want to develop ears to hear, that's exactly what we need to do to the voices and the demands in our ear. They're trying to pull attention away from God, and we get to go, shh, shh. We need to make an active decision to shush them, to be still, then to know that he's God. And then finally, number three, when we've heard the voice of God, choose to respond. Now this one is important. It's probably the most important of all three. Because once we recognize God's voice, we're only partway there. In order to have ears that, fear, ears that hear, we need to have hands that go, and hands that do, and feet that go. G.K. Chesterton said, you can't just read the word, meditate on it, pray through it, and contemplate it. You have to do it. Until you obey it, you've simply been educated beyond the level of your obedience. Jesus' half-brother understood this. And so Jesus' half-brother James wrote a letter to the believers who were being persecuted because of their faith. And he wanted to encourage them not to give up to continue to trust God, knowing that he would use their trials to form his character in them. And so he wrote, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the world and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So in order for those persecuted believers to do what the word of God said, they needed to make a choice to obey God, no matter the cost. So what about you? What will it cost you to hear and obey God? What are you willing to do to give up or to sacrifice to obey God? They needed to decide to not become like the world or the culture around them. So where do you need to push back against the world and culture so that you can follow God? Where do you need to separate from culture and follow God and God alone? They couldn't be satisfied with merely hearing the word 
and thinking that that was good enough. They needed to do it. So where do you need to make a choice to do more than just attend service and do something about applying it? Do something about what you hear. Basically, they had to decide what they truly believed. He is God. He does care. He is aware. He is in control, even if we don't understand. Or he's not. They couldn't follow both God and culture. It was either or. You know, when I was young, we had these radios, and you, you had to turn the dial. There was nothing like pressing a button. You, you turned the dial, and you had to listen. And you had to dial it into the frequency that the station you wanted was on. And you really, it, was a, it was like an exact science, because they were close together. And I can remember there were times when I could turn the dial, and I could hear two stations. And you could hear what was going on. And then I, I'm weird. So I would leave it there, because I would try to make out what they were saying. And you could. If you listened hard enough, that you could do that. Sometimes we treat God just like that. We play the area between him and everything else, and then we think we're okay because we hear his voice in and among all the voices. We follow God, but we play on the fringes of popular opinion. We worship God, but we fret with culture. We say God is in control, but then we fret and we worry just like everybody else. You know, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, but it was his assistant Joshua that led them the rest of the way into the promised land. Now, these were people who had wandered in the desert for 40 years because their parents didn't trust God. They had grumbled, they'd complained, they compromised with the people around them, and they'd even adopted their gods. And by this point, Joshua's old. He had faithfully followed God. He had led the people as he settled into the land, and now he's ready to say goodbye. But Joshua's still as feisty as ever. And so one of the last things he says to them is this. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods, of your, an the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And today, we have that very same decision to make. Do you want to have ears that hear? then we have to choose. God's not going to yell to get our attention. Instead, he's going to speak in a quiet, gentle whisper that draws us near to him and away from the world and from culture. So you draw near to God by getting to know him through his word. His word is consistent and it's true. And it will give us the clarity we need to recognize his voice, his calling, and his direction but we got to open our Bibles. To have ears to hear, we need to read his word because he sounds just like what is written in here. So I'm going to ask you something. I'm going to ask you over the next 30 days to make a commitment to get acquainted with God. 
over the next 30 days so that you can begin to hear his voice, take out your Bible and read it every single day. And if you don't already have a bookmark, go ahead and grab one from the back tables or the um, information center. And even if you read only one chapter a day, commit to open the Bible, to read what he's saying, because to have ears to hear, we have to be in the Word. Amen? Okay, I'm gonna, we're going to close in prayer. And as you do, I just really want you in your heart to make that commitment. Recognize God's voice. Know his heart for you. Be in his word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you made yourself easy to find, that you've given us your word, that as we read it, you reveal yourself to us, and you reveal how you see us and how much you love us and how you value us. So Lord, would you stir in us a hunger for your word? Would you open our ears to hear before you do that, would you open our eyes to see so that we would read your word and then be a people who would apply it. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.